Welcome to Stories We Don't Tell, a podcast about storytelling. Stories We Don't Tell is a monthly event in Toronto that features candid stories of strength and resilience. I threw out my prayers, they went flying like balloons. The air whipped our hair, we went shooting down the valley. Knuckles gripped upon the handles, shivers rushing down my spine. What's a bite? Was I questioning my sexuality? Perhaps. Had I climbed into a tub with a mostly naked Australian man on the day of his country's national holiday, I had, but did that give him the right to force his hand beneath my polyester boxers in the middle of my own kitchen and grope his cold paws around my flaccid genitalia? No, it did not. You see, I'd uh, heard tell of his uh, colorful behavior before. And yeah, I was, I was flattered, by the way. He obviously dug me. I mean, <laughs> who wouldn't? Um, I mean, he'd even bat his eyelids at me and pursed his lips as his lashes reached up to his bald scalp and he'd release heady overtures of desire. So, it being a Sunday, I suppose, uh, filled with liquor, he made his move. Um, now, I can't remember if, I, if he pulled me down onto his lap or... I sat down there in order to tease him, and then he went for it, but it doesn't matter, you know, I'm not helpless, I can handle myself. Uh, The day was Australia Day, uh, which lands on the 26th of January, and uh, as we known by various uh, names like Foundation Day, ANA Day, uh, Invasion Day, and so forth. Um, But, you know, since we were celebrating Australia Day... Uh, we were naturally all donning the national Australian costume, the douchebag, uh, or at least Stefan Hostetter was. <laughs> um, but, you know, we did have on uh, flip-flops, which the Australians call uh, thongs, uh, and short shorts, which the Australians call stubbies, and if we're, you know, uh, applying this vernacular to the point at which I climbed into the tub with the bald man, we would say he was down to his grundies. That's correct. Um, now, we were celebrating Australia Day because my roommate Laura was or happened to be Australian uh, and as such was the only other person along with the bald man to be doing uh, snow angels in the driveway in their stubbies. Uh, but don't think of this molestation by the bald man as necessarily the most brutal violation of the evening. Because uh, yeah, as you'll see, I had some dealing to do of my own. All right, as I said, I'm not helpless. Uh, you see, we were with mostly Laura's friends, uh, with whom the precedent for drunken violence had been set the summer previous at Stefan Hostetter's apartment, when uh, Laura threw a ceramic mug at me and it broke into two pieces on my forehead. Uh, I might have thrown some sort of dish her direction first. <laughs> it wasn't going to hit her. Like a casual dish toss. Uh, so, so uh, more to the point, there was... Um, a girl at the party whom I didn't really like at the time, but have since grown to like, but I didn't understand her, uh, so I didn't like her uh, at the time. Um, so when she comes up to me, you know, 
2, 3 p.m. after the sober pictures have been taken and says or does something to me which neither of us can remember but which both of us definitely agree uh, did warrant my, 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 my pouring my drink down her chest I, 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 I poured my drink down her chest. <laughs> it was, um, you, know, you know, she could hardly believe it. <laughs> but uh, it, it was, as the Australians would say, and, and, and necessary. <laughs> you see, you see, you see, I'm a man with a master plan. All right, I'm a man with my mother's hands. <laughs> All right, I may be single, yes, but I'm not impotent. Okay, okay, okay. I'm a young man. I'm a young man. What's more, I understand. All right, I recognize things that you know most people aren't aren't so aren't so, aren't so capable of, of of understanding. So I'm, I'm I'm personally capable of you know taking a moment to you know it's crisis making it more uh, rich for everybody. And that's what superior people do. So so when my when my friend comes up to me and, and she and she slaps me in the face, you know well, apparently for from for pouring my drink down the shirt of you know the other girl. Um, <laughs> I slap it right back. I mean, I mean, I mean, I've played football. I played football with girls who, who even say things like, you know, you know, you know, thank you for tackling me as if I were a man. Uh, so I'm like, you know, that's a quality, right? I mean, plus, plus, right? Um, so when she does it again, I slap her again. I mean, what am I going to do? The last one to get slapped? No, no, uh, no, uh, plus, plus, right? Um, so, so when she comes up again and she slaps me again, I slap her back. Again, you know, this, this tall, her tall bearded friend comes up to me, pushes me. All right, buddy, I'm not helpless. You know, she shoves him away. She says, uh, he, he, well, she says, damn, you know, it's okay. He's like, what the fuck is this bullshit? You got to deal with this guy? This guy's an asshole. Why did you put up with this? I'm like, oh, yeah, buddy, I'm the asshole? Yeah, I'm the asshole. I'm the asshole. Fuck. So, so after, after a few more drinks, I don't know how many exactly, uh, a number of drinks, um, um, <laughs> I go up to my friend Jen, who was at the party, and I start sort of ranting at her about the you know, tall guy, <laughs> you know, that bearded guy. Just, Jen, I just don't think I, I just think I dislike the guy. I mean, it feels wrong, but I just think, I mean, I don't usually, but I think I do. It's kind of fine dislike the guy. I mean, is, it inc is it incorrect of me? Is it incorrect of me to just kind of dislike the guy? I mean, if I think I might, I think, is it okay? You know, she's like, yeah, it's okay, but, you know, there he is, you know, two, 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 two feet behind you on the couch, you know, with his goddamn phone. Um, uh, he stands up really awkwardly after that, leaves, goes to Laura's room. <laughs> I'm like, shit, <laughs> buddy's fucking awkward as hell. I mean, I don't know if this was before or after <laughs> the bald guy, you know, touched my dick and my balls, but, you know, it doesn't matter, man, because I'm not helpless, or what I can handle myself. Um, you know, I may, I, may, I may have been flaccid, yes, when he touched me, but I'm not impotent. Um, so, so, you know, the, 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 the uh, the crux of the issue is this. I was, uh, uh, it's when 8, 8, 9, 10 p.m. at this point. Nobody, nobody's wearing the clothes that they came in with. Uh, mine are strewn all about, all, all about the house. I'm observing, you know, a, a bunch of people drawing on my wall with Sharpies. All right, I, I'm, I'm sitting, I'm sitting on a kitchen chair, which is on top of my futon. Okay, you know, drinking, <laughs> drinking, drinking some juice out of, out of a plastic mug that Jen, the girl I was ranting to, had purchased uh, earlier, 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 earlier at the zoo with her boyfriend, and uh, and and uh, so she yells at me, you know, from the kitchen. Uh, you don't break, don't break my fucking mug, you jackass. Or or if you break my goddamn mug, you got to go to the zoo and buy me another one. So. <laughs> So I immediately respond by chucking the mug into the kitchen. It breaks in two pieces on the floor. The handle comes off because it's a goddamn mug from the zoo. So she yells at me from the kitchen. That's my fucking mug, you jackass. I'm like, it's a goddamn mug. Who the fuck gives a shit? And she gets 
really pissed and, and, just, and just, just runs right off into the other room and, and closes, slams the door. Everybody can hear it. It's awkward as fuck. Um, so I go back and I go back sitting on the chair and watch the guys, you know, draw on my wall with, with Sharpies. And uh, so I'm, I'm sitting there, fucking sitting there. 10, 15 minutes later, uh, you know, uh, someone comes up to me. They say, you know, Dave, you know, you, you really upset Jen. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, my So I, I, I get up, uh, you know, I, 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 I leave the room, I go, I go knock on the, on the door and I enter and, uh, Jen's sitting there on, on the, on the bed. I say, I say, Jen, you know, I'm really sorry I broke your mug. And she says, it's not that you broke the fucking mug. It's that you didn't give a shit that I cared. Uh, at which point, you know, it, uh, it being my first Australia day, I suppose, <laughs> I guess I don't know how to handle these things, I lose it. Not, uh, not angrily, I, I start to bawl my eyes out. So with a quick emotional sleight of hand, uh, she has to comfort me. Because I'm <laughs> crying a lot more than her. Um, I say, oh my God, Jen, I don't know how to be alone. I just advance at people and I end up hurting them. I thought I had a lot of friends, Jen, that I could, I thought I could be there for those, those friends, Jen. I thought I was the man. Uh, that guy, you know, that dude, you know, groped me in the kitchen. You know, I've never been molested before, Jen. And so, you know, it, it all comes piling onto Jen. She's covered in it. She doesn't give a shit about the mug, you know. She's graceful. She's graceful. She she would say I was just you know white girl wasted, but uh, I know what drunkenness is. should start explaining what the hell's going on. I feel like that's a good place to begin. We a musical intro. We have a musical intro. It's great. Okay, to your own... In, do you just create your own music intro? It's called Take Off Your Pants. Oh, God. This is all This is all gold here, Paul. We're going to have we're gonna, now we're in a half of gold. All right, so uh, I am sitting here <laughs> uh, with with uh, David Hostetter. Um. Uh, he's uh, he is my both my brother and one of our storytellers, and you just finished actually hearing a story that he told at one of our events. Knowing that everyone listening to this now has heard that story of yours, how mm-hmm. does that make you feel? Makes me feel like they just sat through uh, ten minutes of 
emotional territory that they weren't prepared for. To be fair, that's sort of what we're <laughs> that's sort of what we're selling here. There's <laughs> a lot of emotion territory that you probably not eat right now. No, I listened to it again before coming here, and I didn't realize how sad and disgruntled it becomes, and how just manic emotionality and confusion runs throughout almost all of it. I wanted it to be like three different parts, but it's mostly just the insanity. Mm. Well, I feel like you sort of leaned into the, the, uh, to the sort of the manic uh, as you were going through. I tried to lean in, but it, it you erupted of its own accord. Because ah. I partially put it in there in, in order to allow myself to act nervously. Like, it was, it, was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a need for the story to come out the way it had to, but at the same time, what I was portraying was a way to um, manage my own anxiety in front of everybody. Oh, so you're saying that you actually, uh, to some extent, you wrote that in there, or you, you added that part in to let you sort of act a little more. Well, I was I was curious when you when you first started talking about the uh, stories that we don't tell idea and how you were telling these real stories to people. I thought, you know, what's the point of just having people just tell real stories? You know, I kind of just talk to them in conversation. Then I realized that it becomes an art piece, a performance element that which, with which artistic liberties are taken um, as it's delivered. And, but however, I mean, you get a guy like Paul <laughs> who goes up there and he straight laces the damn thing, you know, he just, just, just straight shot. And that's how um, I think something could be told if it's written in, in a way that isn't, um, or if the subject matter lends itself to just being able to do that, but I felt as though I had to make it more of an act. Because I tried, when, when we first went into the um, brunch, I, I tried to read it just uh, straight-faced and not trying to put any fake emotionality into it, not try to become uh, an actor of my own memory or something on on the stage, but, you know, like Paul does, be mm-hmm. very beautifully. Um, but after I read it out like that, it became clear that I couldn't get the type of anxiety I wanted to portray, the type of uh, emotional atmosphere that I wanted to portray across um, just in the words I was saying, because I was telling it I had to embody this whole other demonic element, because um, as you remember at that first story brunch, I did... Uh, Cause some uh, unfortunate. It was a bit of a stir. It was a bit of a. It was awful. Really. It, was, <laughs> it was. It was terrible. It was I, really it, unfortunate. Yeah, that was. Um, it was almost. I think now. I think we, you've now been surpassed in the longest post-story conversation. To say that there was some responses uh, after the first brunch. Um, was, I sounded like an unapologetic woman beater. Was some of the feedback I got. <laughs> Yeah, that's that is that's exactly what happened. Hmm. Um, which and which, part of it because I was trying to portray the the comedic element of the douchebaggery, right? Um, but the problem is I wasn't I wasn't able to dive in enough to the actual uh, anxiety that it springs from, right? In the in the first telling, mm-hmm. so everybody just thought I was an asshole. Well, I think I would say like there was well, no, you had one you had one defender. I remember actually. Uh, I forget who it was, but there's that one, the one woman yeah. who thought everything you've done is perfect. Well, she, she was nice. She understood. 
Um, well, maybe she, she read it a little more. Um, but yeah, so like, and, but it was interesting that you came back the second time uh, and you read it and everyone was like, good, gold. Mm-hmm. This is the second, the, the difference between the length of conversation in the first one and the second one was, was monumental. Uh, and because, really, sorry, no. Please. I was going to say, and really you didn't actually change much of the actual written word, which I found very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you actually brought back a very similar piece. Yeah. Uh, but you just told it differently. You actually, you sort of, you, you have all out of, I don't think anyone else has ever, so far has ever actually changed so much with, by changing so little. I think you brought a different element of storytelling into the, uh, into the event that few have, uh, have replicated. I added a repetitive element of uh, male impotence, mm. which I think was the sort of the audience censure to, to sympathize me, to sympathize with me by going back to that um, constant expression of failure and having to be a, a young man penetrating the world. I want to get back to the first thing that you said earlier, actually, um, which was that you thought may, your including male impotence was the was the key factor, uh, because mm-hmm. I think I think what I would how I would describe that, and you can you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, mm. which historically I think you will, uh, <laughs> is that I wouldn't say it's necessarily male impotence, but rather uh, a level of vulnerability that you showed. Well, um, it was the vulnerability as uh, displayed through the. Um Weakness, erectile dysfunction, teeth. <laughs> right, but do you think erectile dysfunction was required for this? Like, I feel like weakness was what people were looking for, not erectile dysfunction. <laughs> no, because well, the subject matter was erectile dysfunction, but the the uh, experience was just—I um, don't want to say the word floppy, but flaccid. I mean, no. I was trying to. I ran into a guy. After the other stories we don't tell, who's actually mm. the cousin of somebody who was there for the first time. Mm. And I was telling him about the event, and I was telling him that I, w- I was, uh, ended up ranting about, um, erect- I, I said that I was talking about erectile dysfunction, but then I had to explain that it was a way to expose the anxious character that I was trying to become. Hmm. Um, because it's not that it's not that I, it's not that I actually played a factor, but I was just like I'm not impotent. Like five times I said it. Right. So it was just to constantly go back to that, as if to to keep going back to that um, drunken rhythm of strong arming people in order to feel um, larger than that you actually are. So it, right. It, so it was a it was a it was a, a tool to sort of show the vulnerability behind the bravado mm-hmm. or the weakness behind the bravado. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well then let's go to the other thing that, uh, that Paul thought we should jump back to, mm-hmm. uh, which was the idea that, uh, that you, that you say you were scared of, te- of actually telling the story at the event or you were scared during this actually telling of the story. Of the event. Yeah. Uh, I want to, I want to say why, but that why is kind of a useless question. So can you just talk about that? Well, I mean, speaking in front of a bunch of people already kind of blows. Mm. If you're not uh, Stefan Hostetter, who loves uh, attention. P- part of the emotional intensity of it was due to the fact that I was anxious about being in front of so many people. But at the same time, I knew that I had to um, actually feel that emotionality again and actually um, emulate and emanate those um, anxious um, behaviors and feelings in front of everybody in order to actually tell it properly. 
So I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to break down fully enough by the end of it and actually have a calm sort of sad ending and I would just continue with that with that with that uh, hum of anxiety that you can hear in people's voices when they're uncomfortable in front of everybody. Hmm. So you're hoping to so you you didn't you weren't sure if you get to where you needed to be to sort of finish the story where you wanted it to be. Well, and at the same time, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about telling all your stories, but in my mind, it's always, it, it would, even if I were to tell six more, the sixth one would still be an agonizing process, and I would still be having to compromise myself in front of all these people and hating myself, um, particularly for this one because I was talking about being an asshole. Right. Yeah, this, I think that's also what makes, I think that's what's interesting about your story in particular is that there aren't so many where you actually, there aren't too many stories you've had where people just talk about being an asshole. And I think yours might be the only one that was effective. Because uh, I think that's an incredibly difficult, like, as far as the ways, the stories people don't tell, uh, the, I think that may be the ones that people that tell the least is when they are obviously in bad light. And I think it's, A, the most difficult to tell uh, and to tell well um, and to humanize yourself while telling it is a, is a super, is, is very difficult. I think you, you, I think you currently are the only person who has done that successfully. That's because people were laughing at me the whole time. <laughs> they were laughing at my uh, pitifulness and patheticness. But it also was like very raw. And so like, I don't think you actually, were, I, I can't remember, actually can't remember if you actually got, you, you, you got some laughs. It's true. Dude, and yeah, like even at the very end. Yeah. Um, when I was no longer being anxious and making uh, obvious jokes. I don't know. People were still laughing. I think it was just because some certain people in the audience were um, nervous about seeing me up there at all. Right. Um, people have known for a while, and then it's just sort of like laugh because it's un the uncomfortable dynamic of seeing somebody put themselves out there so publicly hmm. that they know and love. Right. But I was when when I did listen to it again before I came here. I I think I realized that the only reason it does come together at all at the end is because. Um, uh, to put, to put, after tearing yourself down so much, to put someone else in a nice light. With like Jen comes in at the end, and I try to say that she was so poised um, with the shit that I was dumping on. Mm -hmm. So you gave you gave the audience a hero. I don't know, because because the douchey raucous character then congeals into this sad mess, right. And then is able to admit to himself that the person who he's putting through psychological distress because of his own bullshit is handling it well. And then that he's able to actually cast something in a human light instead of being going through all this crap that kind of sounds like a comedy routine, kind of sounds like an AA meeting or something. <laughs> so with that, thank you. Uh, Dave for uh, for indulging us in this I hope I came as close as possible to as I covered the law as, uh, as the story made you you can find us online at thereapers.org because we're in the life collecting business thanks to Rayana for the theme music to this podcast you can find out more about her in the show notes or at rayana.ca 
Today's episode of Stories We Don't Tell was brought to you by Triangulator. Trust friends, not algorithms.